This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Monday, October 24th. Coming up, a look at what questions Kansas City voters will have on the city ballot and what the whole state of Missouri will be voting on that affects only Kansas City. But first, our weekly look at the big politics and government stories in both Kansas and Missouri. It's just two weeks and a day until the November 8th general election. And as of this morning, early voting is already underway in parts of the Kansas City area on both sides of the state line. As KCUR's Zach Perez reports, a new state law on the Missouri side allows newly expanded in-person voting there before Election Day. Missouri voters in the Kansas City metro area will be able to cast no-excuse advanced ballots in person this week thanks to a new law, but it requires voters to show a government-issued photo ID. Kansas already allowed early voting and required photo ID. Jackson, Platt, and Clay County election offices will open spaces to cast early ballots for registered voters. Johnson and Wyandotte counties in Kansas are offering multiple voting locations. County election websites include a full list of locations and hours. The two candidates for Congress in Kansas's 3rd District, incumbent Democrat Sharice Davids and Republican Amanda Adkins, had a debate on Friday. As KCUR's Frank Morris reports, a lot of the discussion involved two politicians who aren't even on the ballot. Davids reminded voters that Adkins worked closely with former Kansas Governor Sam Brownback, whose massive tax cuts caused huge budget deficits. Davids also said Brownback and Adkins oppose abortion under any circumstances. Adkins, in turn, sought to tie Davids to President Joe Biden and his spending policies, which she says have sparked inflation. And we are in a recession, or we know it's 100 percent coming. And Joe Biden and Sharice Davids, they they are responsible. The debate was co-sponsored by KCUR, Kansas City PBS, and the Shawnee Mission Post. A Kansas City councilwoman is urging Missourians to vote no on an amendment requiring the city to increase its funding of the Kansas City Police Department. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. Councilwoman Melissa Robinson says Amendment 4 is, quote, government overreach. If it passes this November, Kansas City will have to allocate 25% of its general revenue to the police department. But Robinson says that's worrying because Kansas City is projected to face a budget deficit in the coming years. She says having to give more money to the police could impact other city services. We don't want to take out a third of our budget or a big portion of our budget where we can't make those on the ground local decisions about that revenue. Proponents of the amendment say a funding increase is necessary to prevent attempts by city officials to quote, defund the police, although that has not happened. That amendment, Amendment 4, will be before not just Kansas City voters, but all of Missouri's electorate. Of course, they'll also have a bountiful buffet of other issues and candidates that have seen a lot of political division and conflict these last few months. But that same November 8th ballot in Kansas City will also feature several questions that are a little more in the weeds. Ballot measures that don't grab as many headlines, but could have a profound impact on the city's finances for years to come. To help voters be prepared at the polls, I spoke with longtime Kansas City reporter Lynn Horsley, who contributes freelance reporting to KCUR. We got to that KCPD budget issue eventually, but we started with those votes on ballot questions committing tens of millions of taxpayer dollars a year for city spending. There are three Kansas City questions. Questions one and two are general obligation bond questions, and they're they're very substantive. They deal with um, major infrastructure, uh, parks and community centers and the convention center. And then question two pertains to affordable housing, which of course is one of Kansas City's 
biggest challenges right now. So, Lynn, let's start with question one. Uh, it calls for spending up to $125 million over five years. How does the city plan to spend that money? So this would be general obligation bonds. And um, the city is emphasizing that it's a no tax increase election, which is also a great campaign slogan. Absolutely. Of that amount of money, uh, $80 million would go for upgrading the city's 10 community centers, reopening shuttered public pools, fixing historic fountains, and doing playground improvements. Okay, so that's $80 million. Uh, what's, what about the other $45 million? So the, the rest, the $45 million would address deferred maintenance at Bartle Hall, the convention facilities, and the music hall. The city says it's losing convention business uh, because of the current pretty shoddy conditions at Bartle Hall. And you said there's no tax increase. How, how could that be? Well, the city has debt that will be rolling off, and so these bonds would replace that. I will say that because it's general obligation bonds, it requires a supermajority voter approval, which is about 57 Mm percent. And I should also say that if voters reject this proposal, they might actually see their property taxes go down slightly. But the city has pledged that if this is approved, it will not result in a property tax increase. Is anyone speaking out against it? I'm not aware of any organized opposition. The one thing voters may want to think about is this is deferred maintenance for parks and Bartle Hall. And, you know, how many millions of dollars do we have to keep putting into Bartle Hall? Uh, The city does say that this is not for frivolous or lavish improvements. It's to replace 15 year old carpet and do some major upgrades to restrooms that haven't had any attention since the 1970s and to improve the computer and technical uh, programs at Bartle Hall. So that may well be a valid investment. Uh, Civic leaders are very much in favor of it. And the park improvements are definitely needed. But I should say the city has a lot of deferred maintenance. And is this the top priority right now? That's what voters will have to consider. Well, another question they'll have to consider is what's known as question two on the ballot. This one is more general obligation bonds, but it's for a totally different issue, right? It is. It also is not intended to have a tax increase. It's $50 million for affordable housing. And we've heard a lot about that in recent years. It's become a big thorny problem. People are really having trouble Uh, finding affordable living spaces in the city. So this would be uh, added to the housing trust fund that doesn't have a lot of money in it right now. And although there's been a fair amount of disagreement between some of the uh, tenants advocacy groups in town and the mayor and the city council on some things on this bond, they seem to be in agreement. This is a total uh, agreement. Uh, Casey Tenants is an aggressive uh, advocacy group but they are fully on board and plan to campaign for it. It also has the backing of civic organizations. Um, This money could help fund the building of several thousand affordable units. It certainly will not meet the entire need. I think the city wants to try to build 10,000 units of affordable housing over the next five years. This will only go part of that way, but it will be a big chunk. I'm not aware of any opposition And it is a concerted attempt by the city to address uh, a a real serious problem. All right. There is actually also a question three on the Kansas City ballot. Uh, This one, I think, is probably a a, a pretty straightforward and simple question, right? Correct. This is really more procedural. And this only requires a simple majority to pass, unlike questions one and two. Anytime the city removes 
land from its large and extensive park system, it requires a public vote. And so the city is asking to remove about 12 acres of land uh, in the Northland that would uh, help with the realigning of this proposed Tiffany Springs Parkway in Platte County. And so to do that, they need voter approval. Uh, I will say there isn't a timeline or a um, funding yet identified for this uh, Tiffany Springs Parkway project, but they need this park land to make that project happen. All right. So just a a technical measure. Exactly. Now, there's another set of questions on the ballot, uh, and one in particular that affects Kansas City especially, but won't be voted on just by Kansas Citians. It'll be voted on by everyone in Missouri. That's the Constitutional Amendment 4. Uh, what is Amendment 4? Why is the entire state of Missouri voting on the Kansas City police budget? Well, this is a really complicated story, Brian. Uh, first thing to mention is that Amendment 4 doesn't specifically say Kansas City. Voters will not see the words Kansas City Police Fund in this ballot measure. Uh, but. but it would give the Missouri... <laughs> yeah. It would give the Missouri legislature more control over funding through December 2026 for a police force established by a state board of commissioners. And your listeners and voters should know that Kansas City is the only city in Missouri with that situation. It's the only city that doesn't control its own police funding. Remind us, why does Kansas City not control its own police department? It's a legacy of when Tom Pendergast, a citizen and businessman, uh, maintained pretty corrupt control over Kansas City politics from 1925 to 1939. Uh, In 1939, Tom Pendergast went to federal prison and the Missouri placed the authority over the Kansas City Police Department with this state board. And that's the situation we have to this day, more than 80 years later. And, and yet um, we're in this position where uh, the Kansas City uh, City Council has to give a certain amount of money to fund the police budget, even though they don't get to decide how that money is spent. Why does the Missouri legislature want this kind of control over Kansas City's police budget? It kind of dates to a fight that started in 2021. Uh, Mayor Quentin Lucas and a city council majority voted at that time to take 42 million from the police budget, which was 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 almost 200 million at that point. They wanted to take 42 million and apply it to uh, alternate crime prevention strategies, uh, more mental health, more community engagement. And the state legislature, predominantly conservative Republicans, got went ballistic over that idea. They, they said this was defunding the police, which Mayor Quentin Lucas uh, vehemently disputes that. Right. Uh, but anyway, they pushed through a, a piece of legislation in the last session that would raise the minimum funding from 20% to 25% of general revenue. Kansas City already spends more than 20% voluntarily, but they don't want to be ordered to raise the uh, funding to 25%. And in fact, it might take several million dollars away from roads, fire protection, parks, and other major basic services. And so a lot of the, the this bill that passed in the legislature, as well as this constitutional amendment, were sponsored by Tony Lutkemeyer, uh, a, a Parkville Republican in the state Senate. Uh, his district does include part of Kansas City. What was his argument? Why why was this something that he thought was something the state should be implementing? Well, I think Lutkemeyer and other Republicans in the legislature feel that Kansas City does have a violent crime problem, and they were 
uh, worried that there might be uh, deficient funding for the police. And they say this is needed to require Kansas City to provide this level of funding to ensure public safety. Uh, the rebuttal from the mayor and civic groups and civil rights organizations is that Kansas City already does fund the police department to a high level. And there's nothing in Amendment 4 that says that the police department has to spend anything on more police or that it will reduce violent crime. Mm -hmm. They don't feel this is an adequate approach and say that, in fact, what would help is if the legislature worked with the city in a bipartisan way to address violent crime. It's curious to a lot of people that when a measure only affects one city in the state, the entire state is voting on it. What are voters around the state outside of Kansas City hearing about this measure? Are they being given reasons to care about it? You know, I don't know, Brian. That's a great question. I will say that one problem with the state legislation that Tony Lutkemeyer pushed through was that it requires Kansas City to increase minimum funding without a public vote. Mm -hmm. And the Missouri Constitution currently says that you can't have a state unfunded mandate without a public vote. So in order for the state to really push through this required minimum funding, they need this constitutional change. This, this is a statewide vote that's intended to address the legal challenge to this unfunded mandate. It seems like it plays out an ongoing controversy in the legislature over all the years that I've been following the Missouri legislature of uh, local control uh, being sort of the, the stated goal of legislation. But in practice, the legislature exercises a lot of control over uh, local issues. That's an excellent point. And I think what Kansas City would say, the reason Missouri voters outside of Kansas City should care about this is, hey, if the legislature can do this to our police department and require us to increase funding, they could do it to you, too. They could diminish your local control. I think the biggest worry is that this might sometime affect St. Louis, which only recently uh, in the last few years has regained local control over its police department. I will also say that Kansas City over the years has talked about trying to somehow regain local control of its police department, have authority both over the administration and the funding and how the money is spent. And all those efforts have fizzled. And so we have this weird governance structure, and it's certainly reflected in this fight over Amendment 4. That was Lynn Horsley, who contributes reporting to KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. This podcast is produced by KCUR Studios' Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read Lynn Horsley's complete voter guide for residents of the Metro, compiling reporting and information from across the public media landscape of Missouri and Kansas, online at kcur.org, where you can also find more local news and a lot of election coverage from Kansas City's NPR station. Nomi Nujiadeen's back tomorrow. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening.